All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckinistas? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show. This is my podcast, WTF, with me, Mark Marin. Thank you for listening. Happy 4th of July. Keep it happy. Don't lose any digits. Don't get killed in some dumb way. Don't drive all fucked up. Keep alert for those others who are not heeding my advice or or didn't necessarily hear it and they might not know not to drive all fucked up. Try not to eat too much shit that you're going to feel horrible for for too long a time. Don't set fire to anything. Don't blow up any small animals. All right? Don't go down the slippery moral slope to like, do you think that thing will, will burn? Can you catch it? Don't do that. Those days are behind you. All right? If you've got really fun fireworks just be you know be careful with the kids you're a grown-up you know be a careless asshole if you want but just not when kids are around if you want to shoot roman candles at each other because you're all shit-faced you're just getting excited because there's things blowing up and light and fire and sounds and it's so fun and you just want to just keep blowing shit up and it's awesome do it but you know just do it as a grown-up only be dangerous with grown-up friends. If there are children around, limit the danger for them. But like, if you're just on your own and you don't have kids, knock yourself out. But again, don't die in some stupid way. Years ago, I didn't realize that you could uh, shoot Roman candles at each other. It's not on the label. It's not recommended. I don't even think they're fucking legal in this country, to be honest with you. But that doesn't stop anything from happening here, Right? Me and Nick Schwartzen at Zach Galifianakis' party about over a decade ago down in Venice just started fucking shooting Roman candles at each other, setting shit on fire, you know, in a controlled way. There, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. I haven't been to a, a party where there was massive amounts of fireworks. Oh, man. I'm a 52-year-old man, and I'm not really prone to, uh, to guns or explosions but man, if you show up with a bag of shit that lights up and blows up and spins fire and sparks, I am fucking there with the lighter. Happy 4th of July. Think about your freedoms today, right? Meditate on that. Think about what they really are. Think about your life. Really ponder the lie you're living out of necessity so you don't walk through the streets terrified and sad. Oh, that's not, that That got away from me. So look, today Jeff Goldblum is on the show. It was a real thrill to talk to him because I really, you know, he's one of those guys, no matter how many movies he's been in uh, or whether you really know all his movies, you know him. He's just one of those people that's been familiar. He's been there for all of us somehow for years. You see him and you're like, there's Jeff Goldblum acting like Jeff Goldblum. And it, I wanted him to be Jeff Goldblum like immediately and, and he delivered he showed up up in my house he walked in he's like oh okay this is it huh this is ah uh, yeah the house where's the the garage this is you'll hear it he jeff goldblum's the shit out of this episode so consistent so beautiful great guy great actor and a creative person i enjoyed seeing him and having him around i wanted to be around him more i would have been fine if he moved in but he's got a, a baby his baby turns one year old today on Independence Day, and his movie, Independence Day Resurgence, 
is now in theaters. It's out. But today's a day. And his kid, his kid is one year old today. The Goldblum kid. Happy birthday to him. And uh, we'll talk to Jeff in a little while. Uh, my tour dates. I, You know, I keep doing this because I think it's important that I do it because I'm not really... Uh, I'm not doing the Facebook thing, really. I'm doing Twitter, but the Facebook thing, I don't, there's something suspect about the whole business. Spokane, uh, this weekend, this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 7, 8, and 9. Wise Guys in Salt Lake City, 14, 15, and 16 of July. The Comedy Attic in Bloomington, the 28th, 29th, and 30th of July. And then we take a little leap to August, August 18th and 19th and 20th at Stand Up Live in Phoenix. I'll be in Albuquerque September 3rd for one night at the Albuquerque Journal Theater doing a benefit. I'll be at the Comedy Club in Rochester September 9th and 10th. And those are the dates that are up right now. There will be more. I'm doing club dates to uh, get my shit straight, to get to work it out and to uh, to engage with the people. So I told you guys about that kitten. Well, the kitten is, uh, you know, being uh, fed and uh, and uh, sort of loved over at Sarah's house. And we're going to make the move over here. But we couldn't do it. I couldn't take the kitten right in because I got two indoor cats. I, I needed to prepare to integrate a kitten that it turns out is, a, you know, not feral, but very lovable. And I'm going to now tell you the new kitten's name. Uh, I will be welcoming Buster into my home later today. That's a Buster, the black cat. All black cat. Buster. Buster, buddy. Buster. What's up, Buster? It's good. It's good. He looks like a Buster. Showed up on my stoop. You know, vulnerable little cat out of nowhere. There's no other kittens around. This fucker just finds my goddamn porch. All right? So it was meant to be. But I only got two rooms in my house. The second bedroom, there's a closet in there. All my records in there. And that means, like, all of that could be destroyed. Kittens will destroy everything. It's it's profound. You don't know how it happens. You've got this little cat, little tiny cat, not much bigger than your hand. You close that door and you're like, okay, see you tomorrow, Buster. See you tomorrow. Maybe you hear some sounds and you're like, well, what's that? What's going on? The next morning you wake up, a thousand records are destroyed. All of your shoes are fucked up. The light fixture is dangling. You know, there there are things that you didn't know you had still that now you have to throw away. Kittens will fuck shit up. I know that from experience. So I had to go down to Best Hardware, got to buy some plywood, got to get it cut. So I made some makeshift uh, protectors of my record shelves. I had to get a, uh, had to create. Dennis and I collaborated on the design of a door uh, uh, not stop a blocker the bottom of my old door has a little too much space where the cat could get through so we created out of a two by four and a leftover piece of plywood a little thing that you can block that hole with I, I measured it he cut the wood he fucking screwed it together and even threw a coat of spray paint on there so got that all set now I got to get the doorknob fixed because it's missing a thing and uh, then we're, we're good to go everything should be kitten proofed and Buster can move in so here we go Jeff Goldblum, I you know, I uh, Lake Bell had put me in touch with him. I tried to get him on the show uh, for a while. We were sort of randomly texting each other here and there, and it finally happened. And I was very excited to talk to him. Um, I don't, I think I forgot to talk to him about music though, but that's all right. I saw him playing. He's a very good piano player. But we had a beautiful conversation. 
Uh, so why don't we just do that? Why don't we just listen to me and Jeff Goldblum? And again, be careful. You look great. Do you think so? Yeah, it's a, it's so do you. It's one of these, uh, you're one of those guys where I'm like, wow, he still looks uh, great. How is, you know, that's great that he looks so good. Thank you, my friend. Is that, did I say that wrong? Was that bad? No, no, no. It was, that's only flattering. No. And that's still part. I know what you're talking about. That's, that's, that's just stating the facts. You know, I've just been, I, I, I could look a lot worse. Yeah. Given the, the chronology. That's correct. But you look, look at you. You look like a, a 70s movie star. You look like, you know, young Elliot Gould from, oh, you know. Elliot Gould. Yeah. Oh, my you know. God. Did you, did, you, did you ever work with Elliot Gould? You know. Um, y- 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 no, no and yes. I mean, I appeared, our paths crossed, but we weren't in the same scenes together. Oh, an in, Altman movie? In a couple of Altman movies. My first Altman movie, which was my... Jesus, second movie ever uh, after Death Wish was California Split. Right. Did you ever see that? Yeah, that's kind of what you look. He had kind of a, did he have a mustache? A longer thing. I think he had a longer thing. And he he did. And what what did you do in that? What did you Oh, you know, I had two scenes where I'm George Siegel's boss, a kind of a wunderkind uh, editor of this magazine. Yeah. Called California Scene, S E E N. Right, right, right. And he's, you know, screwing off and gambling. Da, 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 and I, I have a scene where I'm kind of. Uh, you were like king of the little scenes for a while there. Yeah, I was never king of anything, but I was in a couple <laughs> little scenes here. So we were in that movie together, and then he appeared as himself uh, in in Nashville. Right. And I had a little scene or two in in. That. You were the guy in the bike. Yeah. Right on the, the on, on the, the it was tricycle a, on the big tricycle know, the tricycle man on the big tricycle with the big goggles on exactly doing um, sleight of hand here and there. Did you are you did you know how to do that? I did not. And Robert Altman in this script, uh, uh, you know, it had no magic for this character. But he called me up and said I was living in New York then, West <laughs> Village. He said, you know, hey, do you know any sleight of hand? Uh-huh. I said no. He said, well, get together with a coach. We'll find you a coach or in New York. And uh, learn some. Bring a bag full of them down to Nashville when you come down, and uh, and maybe we'll put them in some scenes. And I did. When I got there, I showed him my tricks. Yeah. I worked with this guy, Cone Norton, and uh, he said, "Okay, good. I'm not sure where we'll put them, but bring them to the set every time you work, and and we'll figure it out." And I put them in a bunch of scenes. And a couple of them made it in, and then I discarded all of them. But I kept practicing, and I can still do my rope tricks. Yeah, a series of you know, here's the knot, there's not the knot, does itself, and then done does itself. Yeah. Uh, well, which I've snuck in a couple of other movies. Oh, really? Yes, I have. Isn't it, but isn't it interesting because like somehow or another, he like at, in in the context of that huge movie, yeah. hours long, yeah. dozens of characters. Yeah. Your character, in my memory, reappears quite a bit. I do. Yep. Uh, that you know, you're just sort of this this presence that that sort of moves through you know different points in the movie. Yeah. But like he was sitting up some at night, and he had he, you were very specific. You were on this giant tricycle. You were you know this a clown almost in a way. Hmm, interesting. Uh, uh, okay. With the big goggles. No, not in a okay. bad way. That yes, there was a yes. comedic presence to it. Yeah, yeah. And some, and he just wakes up one night and goes, "That guy needs to be doing tricks." <laughs> you know, like it was yeah. a, a decision. Well, you're you're right. His interesting, creative. I mean, I love the creative. Yeah, you know, inspiration anyway. And he was a an exemplar. 
of a guy who, who was mysteriously talented and imaginative and unique and self-trustful and uh, went with his own ideas. Well, what was it like being on, on one of those sets? Because you did a couple of his movies. Like, was it uh, yeah. like, uh, was everybody, what, did, you, did you know where the movie stopped and where real life sort of began? Or was everybody hanging out with each other? and uh, Hanging out, exactly. Yeah. That's what he, like, uh, you know, recently Wes Anderson, who mm-hmm. I think is a fan of his, they, they, are, they like to, and Robert Altman liked to make the shooting an art piece in itself uh-huh. and he called his production company sand castle uh, uh films or something like that because he had a the, the, the metaphor of what we're doing is really like we are, we're making sand castles right and and uh you do the moat this time and you do the bridge this time and you do the tower this time and just for the fun of it and of course the Water will come in and take it all away, but we got, had a reason to get together uh-huh. just to be together. So and sort make, of and make something together just for the fun of it. That That's, was a looseness then, uh, in yes, a way. There, there sure was a looseness, but there was a an intended, uh, co- uh, you know, communion communality yeah, yeah. and uh, spirit and we would he would for instance show the dailies every night and invite everybody really and it was a great great yeah because he said you know that's the movie once we pretty it up and cut it up that's something else but this is our work let's we all did it equally let's oh. all look at our work and, really and, yes it was del- delightful it, it was, was like a real a, almost a party it was a real party he was a kind of par- party guy yeah uh, but very creative and um and in Nashville, we we all lived in the same complex, so it was a real summer, uh, you know, hoop de doo. And Wes does vacation. that too, because Wes, like stylistically, I would say, is almost the polar opposite. Very meticulous. Yeah, it's very, every, every it's like every frame is like a jewelry box. That's right. It's been said. That's right. You ever read that? Uh, oh yeah, see, someone said that, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Michael Chabon. Oh, is he I the one who said it? The pal. jewelry box. Well, he makes a very yes. He equates him with who's that guy now who does those boxes? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, An artist. Art, art boxes. Yeah. yeah, I'm forgetting now. But and, Wes, but how controlled is that Wes, set? Well, it's controlled. So we were talking, so what got us into this yeah. was that they both have the same spirit, but some of their other elements are very different. Y- yes, uh, uh, um, Altman was like, you know, a painter that just kind of made it up as he went along and the painting process produced the the painting and what does it feel like? What do I feel like doing now? And, yeah. da, 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 and then just kind of organic, very organically kind of uh, reveals itself. Uh, Wes has a, has drawings and he's written everything <laughs> yeah. and he's drawn out and described the costumes. Uh-huh. And he knows exactly what, and, um, I, and it's it's all that I could tell you. For instance, on uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, I had a couple of big speeches, and I, yeah. I'm nothing if not conscientious, and I'd practiced them. And in one, I knew he was meticulous. I'd done that, you know, um, life you, aquatic. Yeah, and uh, and I ch- I thought, ah, you know, I, I like a little this the phrasing of this one <laughs> sentence. I'm going to change this. I think it was an and to a but or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And and I practiced it, and I did, and I thought, oh, here's the way. And then I got to the set. And and we did. I didn't. I didn't tell him. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. He said, "Yeah, very good. Okay, let's do it again." Say, Jeff. Um, did you? Uh, I think you changed one thing. That's a, yes, I did. Um, can I tell you why? Because I've got. It's not just uh, higgledy right, right. piggledy. It's yeah. a, here's my reason. Because I thought he said, "Uh huh, uh huh, very interesting." Okay, I think do it my way. Do it, do it my way, if you will. Okay, I, I got you. I will, like, like that. So he's very, very meticulous. But within that, yeah, um, 
he's somehow Altman-esque in his freedom yeah. somehow and enjoyment of you and somehow collaborative uh -huh. encouragement uh, but what's like, the experience like as an actor when you know you are working when you're walking into a scene that is so meticulously organized you know you because you bring a certain amount of, you know you're you're uniquely yourself there's there's you know what i mean when you see you yeah. or even if you hear your voice you're like that's just jeff goldblum hey, like uh, always you know, you're one you. of those guys. Well, I like to be able to. I, I like to think that I, I'm able to ca characterize, of course, you know, and drop of course. some of these. Uh, uh, but your intensity, stupid affectations, the, the, you know. the life frequency that is yes. Goldblum esque. Well, okay, stay steady. I accept it. And okay. uh, so, when you're working with, what is the thrill then? Like there, there must be some excitement, you know, like working with someone like Altman, where they're just sort of like, "All right, hang out, man. Let's just hang out." Which was a part of the time. Yeah, you know, that yeah. was culture at that time. Yeah. But I imagine the excitement of working with someone like Wes is like, "This is so organized that it's going to be spectacular." Like, it's not all hinging on me. It's part of it's hinging on that light. Like you know, like the, you're like in the like. Oh a, yes, yeah. You feel very well taken care of, and you trust. But of course, Altman in another way, uh, so that you can kind of do anything, yeah, and right. then he'll 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 cut it up into something uh, nice, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, but uh, but Wes, in another way, you go, wow, everything is. I'm given every help that I uh, can uh, be given. What with my gla perfect oh, yeah, yeah. glasses yeah. and my very thought about hair and goatee and da 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 and the light and the great c cinematographer Bob Yeoman, you know. Yeah, uh, and where would you guys shoot that? Uh, we shot that kind of not unlike the experience in Nashville in 1973. We shot it in Gerlitz, Germany. Mm. He likes to go on these exotic adventures on Life Aquatic. We were in Rome. We, we we shot at Cinecittà and then in Gore Vidal's villa in the south of uh, Italy. How, how did that happen? Oh, I, you know, he knows many sophisticates, you know, yeah. in many different Was uh, Gore around? layers of. No, I'd met him on another occasion because he's a relative of Burr Steers. Uh huh. Uh, and I think they're all relative, related to Aaron Burr. Right. Goes back. Uh, goes back. I just saw that Hamilton music. I did too. Do you hey, like it? Yes, I did. Did you? Yes, yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Did you talk to? Uh, uh, I went backstage. He couldn't have been nicer to me. Sweet guy. Very, very sweet and wildly talented. Yeah. Did you? Um, are, are you a, a hip hop person in general? No, not really. But no, we're we're a little older, and it's not a matter of age. But you do have to listen. Do you know that was the interesting thing about Hamilton? If you don't grow up with with hip hop yeah, or yeah, rap, yes. where it's second nature to yeah. just take in the narrative. Like right. I, I really was like, all right, I gotta, yeah, <laughs> I gotta lock hey, in. Listen, I know what you mean. I like to even in a movie, in any kind of movie, no matter how slowly they're talking, I like to see the words. Yeah. I like to read along with it. Do you know? You? Yes, I do. It's not that I'm going deep or anything like that, but I like to. Well, I'm an actor, so I like to say. Hey, well, when I, I like to see it on the page. Yeah. So I like to I like to see it. I like to read it. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you and that, yeah, and at Hamilton, you really uh, you needed gotta to lock in. Yeah, you got to lock in. I I could have I could see it again now, and uh, and I could study the CD, tickets. so I could really know exactly <laughs> what they're talking about, not miss a word. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like Shakespeare, and then um, and of course learn a little bit more about history, right? Too, to which they're referring. How I'd are like you with Shakespeare? 
Well, in what in what sense? I'm uh, I did uh, a little here and there. My very first job was Two Gents, a musical version of Two Gentlemen of Verona, written by Galt McDermott, who did Hair. When was and this? John Guare, who adapted John Guare, who did uh, the, the Atlantic City, House of Blue Leaves. Oh, Atlantic City with yeah. Susan Sarandon. Yes, sir. With uh, who was in that movie that I was just about to refer to with Burr Steers because he uh, wrote and directed this movie called Igby Goes Down. Yes. So Susan Sarandon or Sarandon. Yeah, Sarandon, whichever, I think, right? Whichever she prefers. Well, I've heard both. I yeah. guess it's Sarandon. It's come she was more... in here for a minute. What? Yeah, that was good. I'll bet it she's, was. She's she... delightful. I love her. What did she say and what did you say? She's very, um, like, she's uh, the very, uh, I guess it's a, the term that you would use and I think you can still use is free-spirited. She's free spirit in in, in in a very true sense that you know yeah. you get the sense that like no oh, she'll talk about anything I, I wish I had more time you know, like it yeah. was one of those things where she had to be somewhere and yeah. and they came a little late and I just realized talking to her I'm like I could she would just she she talk about anything really but really? yeah even pu- publicly so you got the sense uh, she's just not ashamed of anything and and she she owns her past proudly all of it that, isn't that interesting I don't know it's rare all, all about her past. Chris, Chris Sarandon, you know, was in Two Gents. Yes. Listen to this and how this doubles back on itself. Chris Sarandon was in Two With Gents. With you. Yeah. Once we went to Broadway out of the Joe Papp's Delacorte Theater. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Broadway and he was in it for a time. So was Stockard Channing. Ooh. Yeah. She, she turned out to be a real stage actress. She certainly did. She's like, a, And she can belt out a tune, right? I if think necessary. she's got a good set of pipes. I went. I played. I play piano. You know, so I played. I saw piano. you at the memorial. It was very touching when we walked oh, in at Gary's memorial. You were there. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is it me or is it is somebody knocking on our door? Yes. <laughs> Hello. Maybe there's a wildfire out, uh, blazing out, uh, about to consume us. Oh, he's he's paying the the, the pizza delivery. Oh, oh, this must be the house the housekeeper. She seemed delightful. What's her name? Lupe. Lupe seems seems delightful. I've never talked about her on the microphones. Oh, really? Yes, she's very delightful, and she, she, seems she delightful. she's very wonderful. Yeah. And uh, she comes once a week. And and I'm not even that much of a pig, but it's a pleasure. For years, I never thought like I ne- like I remember when I was married, and this might be part of the reason I'm not uh, that the wife at that time would say you know maybe we should have someone come in and clean i'm like we're not those people we're not people who need uh, cleaning people right. where you know this is a small house right. and uh, i didn't do that she was also the woman who said we should get central air i'm like that sounds like a hassle <laughs> it's a small house it's not hot for that many months Ooh. in retrospect had i done both of those things which i eventually did yeah. perhaps i would still be married really if i'd stopped yelling there's other issues Jim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, I want to hear everything. Oh, you I do? Mean, yes, yes, I do. So wait, yes, two I gents, do. two gents. So wait, where did you grow up? In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Who else is from there? Michael Keaton, my Michael friend Jerry Stahl. Keaton. Jerry Stahl. Mm-hmm. Who's Jerry Stahl? The writer of Permanent Midnight. Oh, uh, yeah. Permanent Midnight. Yeah. Ben Stiller. Yes, he played Jerry Stahl. In Permanent Midnight. I'll be darned. He grew up in Pittsburgh. I've met a few people from Pittsburgh. I don't have a sense of it as uh, what it might have been like when it was a working class, perhaps city on the decline. It's a little, uh, it's gotten a little influx of money. It seems a little better now. I guess so. I wonder why. I was just talking last night to somebody. I should go there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They should give you a street or something. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Gold Blum Lane. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> it's yeah. over there by the old mill. Yeah, <laughs> by, by the, the old, old steel processing. 
same place. Well, yeah, it was. You know, when I grew up, it was it was smoky and evocative. Yeah. You know? Well, how'd you end up there? What was the family doing? How'd they land there? Oh, you know, uh, you know, my dad's dad named uh-huh. Pavartsik from Russia. Pavartsik. Yep. See, I'm this not, is why. I'm not Goldblum. I'm Pavartsik. That's your last name? Pavartsik. That's, well, it's not, it was never my last name, but it was, that's the family name. That was my dad's dad's name. I knew that we, like, I knew that I would get, I, I, I got along with you before you got here. Yeah, me too, you. It's because we're Russian Jews. Is that it? I think you're, so. You're all Russians because because my mom's Russian dad Polish. was Austrian. Oh, so that's the, my mom's Russian. my mom's dad from his roots are in Austria. So we're you know we're, we're probably brothers, we're cousins. cousins exactly. Right. The same genetics. Did you ever get that genetic thing done? I'm getting it done. Yes, you did. You got it done. Well, yes, very elaborately because we just had a child. I just had my first child. We wanted to get pregnant, and we got pregnant with my now uh, beautiful wife Emily. Uh, Goldblum, yeah. and um, and so we got everything that one can do, uh, you know, testing whether we were compatible genetically and all that. But you did the, the whole DNA the, history every, thing. Oh, that I didn't do just for the sake of uh, like uh, you go back, oh. you can find the town. Oh, that I didn't do. Nor have I looked up, you know, roots, anything yeah. like tree right. roots. So I don't know anything besides the one dad and the other dad. And right. I don't even know whether they're from Minsk or Pinsk or anything about <laughs> right. that. Right. So that would be interesting. I should do that, but. Then and yeah, I just saw that you can do the whole a whole DNA thing. So okay, so what name? Give me so, the name again. The DNA. So Pavartsik. Pavartsik. Yeah, and then we just—I was saying—we just had this the child baby. who was born Independence Day, by the way. Charlie uh, Ocean. Is he uh, a year? He's a. He'll be a year in, in you know, July Fourth. Fourth of July. And your movie comes out. The events of the movie happen on the second, third, fourth right. of July. That's right. It's all coming together. It's, uh, Somehow, if we can tie the two gents into this, it's going to be amazing. It's it's going to be one of those serendipitous well, we're interviews. The, we're right? the two gents. Yes, we're we are. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. And we're yeah. speaking not regular non-Shakespearean English. Yeah. That's right. You know who the but we're kind of hip hoppy, you know. You know which is the new Shakespeare. You, you know who the two gents were. I wonder which one you'd be. One is called Valentine, and one is called Pro- Proteus. Is that yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know. Were they? Is it a good cop, bad cop? Is there? A, mm. Is it a comedy team situation mm. where there's a doofus and a straight man? How does it work? Oh, I like that doof doofus. Oh, you mean just doofus? You don't mean goofus and gallant? You know who goofus and gallant is? That That's a who we should play. Comic strip, wasn't it? No, it was kind of those children's kind of oh, magazines right, right. that yeah, you yeah, see yeah. in right. offices, and one would goof gallant would do all the right things, goofus yeah. would do all the wrong. So things. goofus was the doofus. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, v- v- you are a poet, and you don't know it, but your feet show it. Can you finish that? Uh, and uh, no. They're Longfellows. Oh, okay. Now, you're, of course, wearing sandals. I, I, uh, yeah, it's Some hot. Pe- it's hot, Jeff. It's no, hot. you don't have to be ashamed of anything, just I'm like Susan Sarandon. These, these aren't Birkenstocks, and they're, you know, I've no, committed no. to them. Are you, yeah, they're very, very beautiful. Thank you. There's nothing wrong with... Uh, a lot of people think that an adult you're man... You're getting a lot out of me. The cleaning lady and the, sal- and the sandals. <laughs> this interview is moving more in your direction than mine. No, no. no I you're, like you're getting it out of me. I like All the secrets. I'll tell you everything. I'm an open-faced sandwich. You know? <laughs> an open-faced Reuben. Yeah, I'd love a Reuben sandwich. I haven't had that in a million years. <laughs> you, you, you're hot scared of it? Beef. Well, it's not exactly on my bullseye regime. Yeah, well, do you ever treat yourself? You seem to be... <sighs> Fairly um, healthy Fair, to the point where it looks like you, you spend a little time doing it. 
Yeah, a little time. I I, I do it. I'm conscientious. I kind of put in my time. But uh, I sure like. And I yeah, I I I cheat here and there. I would if I thought that Reuben sitting in front of us, if there was one, was the best one. You know, it shouldn't right. be missed. I'd have a bite or two of right. it. But can you imagine hot? I remember when I first. I think my mom and I went out for a date in pittsburgh yeah they had a deli was, yeah at some place i'd said what's a reuben sandwich yeah. you know i remember when i first sure. discovered she said oh it's a thing you know it's old face got right. sauerkraut it's hot i think melted cheese yeah. i melted swiss cheese oh. try it really yeah and then it came oh my god that was great i love food i i loved it then and i i, I, love I it had now. a similar experience with a reuben where it was like this is amazing Really? You know what the other deli item that like, you know, that sort of changed my life with my, uh, my grandmother would take me was um diner rice pudding. The you know the the <gasps> creamy kind. my language. Oh man. I, oh Jesus. That right? might be my if I was going to be executed, uh, that might be right. on the with a little menu. bit of cinnamon and and oh. some of the top that gets a little uh oh. you know tough. Oh, oh my god. Right? That's that's <laughs> delicious. Price, it's you can't get it. It's no. hard to find. Like really? the Mexicans have a version of it, of that very specific rice pudding. I've mm-hmm. made it at home. It's not baked, it's done on the stovetop, you know, oh, where yeah. it thickens with the sugar and the actual rice. Oh, yeah. But in the diner you'd go in and you could look in the in the the window in the trays and you'd see it at the, at the bottom like they got it. It'd be like rice pudding, tapioca pudding, oh, and maybe I, some bread pudding. I love tapioca pudding. I love bread pudding. How about at Musso and Franks they have of diplomat pudding which is i think only there which is bread pudding with some extra like raspberry sauce on Yo. it that's dip you're the diplomat then yeah if you have yeah. you're important you're important i think if i had a show business t- title yeah I, wouldn't i couldn't i be the diplomat sure yes There's, that's not taken is it you <laughs> no, know you're very diplomatic. i'm not the chairman of the board no. i'm not the no. king you I, can be the diplomat be the diplomat they should do it in your intro when you play music <laughs> Please welcome the, dip, the diplomat, dip. <laughs> Jeff Gold. Yeah. So you're in Pittsburgh eating Rubens with your mother in an yeah. unknown deli. Yes. And your father's father was from Russia and had a beautiful name, which was... Pavartsik. Pavartsik. Yeah. And your grandfather did what? Was he in dry goods? Oh, Shmatas? my. You know, he what? had a, He came over here. My dad was sort of... Well, uh, let's not let's not get into that. But he, no, but let's Joseph, just a little. Give me a but, sense of well, what we're not you getting know, he into. He was not so. I think in that generation yeah. of American Jews, yeah. um, they were they wanted to assimilate. Right, pass. And, yeah. How do you pass? Get rid of that name. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had Goldblum. Gold <laughs> Luckily, he didn't. I'm glad he didn't. You know, bastardize it anymore. Um, but, uh, but I think his dad who was selling, who had a little candy store yeah. and sold some luggage, didn't really want to drive, learn to drive mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, so he had a store with bags and, yeah, bags and luggage. And candy. I never saw it. I met Tut, candy. Tut, we called yeah. him, you know, Tut, Tut, sure. Tut, Killer, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe Goldman. And, um, and but he was there. We didn't go over and visit them much. He oh. and Bubby, you know, Lillian. Because your dad didn't home. want to. Well, mm-hmm. didn't didn't want to. And then he had a he had a younger brother, Chucky. Yeah. Who died? Who he loved? Um. Who was a big? Who looked like me? Yeah. Was my height? Yeah. And was a basketball star in um, Westminster College, uh, and where there's many clippings one could see in, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I don't know where it was. And would have been in the NBA. Really? They said, yep. And then he uh, volunteered for World War II. And he went, his plane went down and never found. Oh. Uh, Chucky. And that's why we named our boy Charlie. 
Your son. His name, your new yes, son. after Ch- oh, Chucky, believe great. it or not. Yeah. But so his family, he would always be a little, his mom, we'd go over to their house. Your grandparents. My grandparents. He didn't like the smell so much. And the oh, right, it, right, right. You know. But my, fam- my family, my parents so, were sort of the same. You'd so, go back yeah. and you'd see, have this window into their past, but it yes. was like, and that was really... That was really the the birth of of what we know as American Jews of that thing. That's why we know what Kishka is. That's why we know what Kasha is. Yeah. That's why we know you know that these deli things that, that loud arguments. There's great scenes in like in, in in Annie Hall, which you were in for for yeah. an amazing second. Thank you. Uh, you know the the families going back to Coney Island. Yeah. That you know that that narrative has been sort of really kind his, of explored. His, his father, Woody Allen's father, as a kid in that movie, is played by Mordecai Lawner. Yeah. Who taught the who's taught who studied with Sandy Meisner, mm-hmm. taught that method, and wound up in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, 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 and I took a six week summer course between ninth and tenth and tenth eleventh grades, and that was the first exposure I had to something like the Sandy Meisner improvisational method. With that actor, Mordecai. Yeah, with Mordecai Lawner was teaching. Yes. And She's poor. She can steal from us. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's the wonderful Mordecai Lawner. But we were, wait, wait, let, let's backtrack. Yeah. Get out of this cul-de-sac. So we'd go back and the, they had pictures of Chucky Goldblum. Mm. And... Uh, and they said, oh, he's, he was never found, but he's, he's going to come back. Oh, they believed that. And my dad was always like kind of mad and Well, maybe that was ashamed. another reason why he didn't like to go over there. Was that, you know, this sort of like the grief well, mixed with the expectation. There was plenty of subterranean. Un- judging him against the dead one. Yes, unexcavated on yeah. lots of things, oh, I'm sure, yeah. that were hidden in the Jewish David Lynchian way, yeah. you know, just under the surface and then when i started to play looked like his brother started to play basketball myself i was kind of athletic yeah and then went into acting he wanted to be they said he he said he wanted to either be to get himself out of this condition and to rise up and to be an american uh, uh he was going to either be a doctor your father as one did or an actor mm. he got into his head stuck his head in the back of those Car- are the options yes yeah. stuck his head in the back of a class of carnegie tech which was then called carnegie mellon university and and said he were he then reported to, to us uh that it was out of my league he said whatever that meant right but so you know fast forward and me being titillated by and very inspired did and, he go and, into show business he did not no what did he do he was a doctor your dad was a doctor he was a doctor so he, tra- he, ta- he took a little Look a look at the class. That's so said, funny because the doctor one is 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 strongly condoned by the uh, the Jewish elders. Yes. The other is like, "What are you doing?" Yes, yeah. e- except yeah, except if you make it as Philip Roth says, right. you know, in Portnoy's complaint, I think it's even better than a doctor if you're on the Johnny Carson. Sure, you know, hey, look, he <laughs> was on him. the Johnny. That's he's him. A, that he's was a, the only way they knew you were a popular. Yeah, something like that. It's very yeah. funny now with so many different TV outlets, it, like to the point where like I finally I've got four seasons of a TV show and I. Still got a father is like I don't get it. I don't know where to watch it. Right. Do I get it? I can you imagine? Yeah, just, really, uh, your dad does that. Where Where is he in New Jersey? No, he's in New Mexico. New Mexico. No one's in New Jersey anymore. What's he doing in New Mexico? No, that's where we shot Independence Day in Albuquerque. Yeah, where, I grew up in Albuquerque. You You did? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's where I spent the this last a year ago this summer. Well, they got that great uh, facility there now, the studio. That's where we yeah. were. Yeah. In those big sound stages. Yeah. We had five or six of those enormous sound stages. Yeah, yeah. But no kidding, you grew up there. Didn't Gary Shandling grow? He was in Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. Arizona. But Southwestern sort of Jews. Southwestern 
Jeez. You got brothers and sisters? Yes. Well, I had, there were four of us originally. Um, not unlike my dad, my brother, whom I adored four years older than me, Rick, uh, died when he was 23. Oh. Unfortunately, in 1970. How? He was tra- he was a kind of a truth seeker, an adventurer, and a Hemingway-esque, you know, wannabe writer. So, but that was a 60s thing. Uh, so, yes, yeah. that, that's right. You, you get the idea. And he was tra- traveling around. He was in North Africa, uh-huh. like Casablanca, Agadir, oh, really? Morocco. Yeah. And kind Doing of, the beatnik thing. Yes, kind of hippie, early yeah. hippie, uh, beatnik, kind of bumming around on a beach mm. uh, kind of thing. Got a quick something or other and died very quickly. Of a disease. Shockingly, yep. A virus, a bacteria. Something like that. No kidding. Yeah, kidney failure finally. Yeah. It's horrible. Har- har- horrible. And horrible. you were like 20? I was 19, he was 23. And he was the guy that was guiding you through well, yes, the, he, the life. That's right. The he music. Was, when I for that's right. He first uh, he moved out of the house, you know, and yeah. got a kind of a pad right. in Pittsburgh. Was at in college and um, and was starting to talk funny uh-huh. and talked about in 1960. What was this seven or something like that? Counterculture. What what's that counterculture? And then. Uh, I went over to his place and he put on, I think, one of the Beatles albums had just come out, like the, uh, you know, not the White Album, I'll bet this was Ma- Magical Mystery oh, Tour, yeah, yeah. and put that on, and we smoked hash. Yeah. Which was uh, probably powerful, and I'd never done anything, so it was like tripping. Were you later. sort of a nerdy athletic kid? I was, I played baby ball. I was, you know, athletic. I was good, but I, I was never on a team, but I played all day, all lo- long with my neighborhood friends, every sport. I like that. But I was already playing piano, yeah. and kind of interested in acting, maybe, and da da da. Uh, but uh, but he turned me on to all that. And yeah. Girl, you know, he was already kind of a handsome guy and, you know, with girls. So, I, yes, he was kind of gui- gui- guiding me. I, I looked up to him terrifically. So then he died. I went to New York horrible. and I was in this Broadway show. I was in Two Gents on Broadway when I got this horrible news. And then that uh, and then uh, uh, there's my other brother, Lee, who was around until a couple of years ago, died finally at 60. Yeah, he was five years older than me. Uh, he kind of was back in Pittsburgh, mm. very close to my mom. And uh, we could talk about him, but a very sweet, sweet uh, guy. And then there's my sister who's still around, uh, two years younger, Pam. Yeah. A wonderful girl, a painter, oh. very wonderful artist who yeah. paints with her husband, Jeffrey Kaiserschott, another painter. And uh, they both teach at this point. Very I'm uh, dating a painter. Too. Painters are an interesting people. Really? Mm-hmm. You are. I think so, too. You're, you're, how long have you been going with this? A uh, couple girl? years almost. What's her name? Uh, Sarah Kane. Sarah Kane. Yeah, she's uh, she's preparing for a show in uh, New York in September. Really? Yeah, at La Long Gallery, uh, La Long. And what kind of stuff does she paint? Abstract, right? big, really, like things that are in, just like where does that come from? Like very impressive, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Does she? She doesn't live here. Yeah, she does. Oh, she does. She lives down the street. Oh, really? Kinda. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes not. But you've only been going together for two years. Yes. What what could be going wrong uh, so far? I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. Uh, what always goes wrong? So crazy after all these years. I love that song. Yeah. That's kind of a touching song, isn't Very. it? Very well, Neil. Uh, he's a good. Uh, he's a good artist. Paul that Paul Simon. Simon. He is. Does all right for himself. He sure does. Uh-huh. And we had a chance to you know shoot the breeze a little bit at one did of these uh, things we did. Yeah, a little shared charity event that I did where I played the piano and uh, yeah. 
yeah, we, he's very open and available. We got to talking about every little thing yeah. in the time we had. Also yeah. in Annie Hall. Yes, exactly. And not far from where you were. You must have had Our scenes. scene. Inters- I'm in the same scene. The same At his little, house. Little, that's right. It's his house. This the shot, the you know, tracking shot goes yeah. by him and he's showing Woody yeah. Allen around and his girlfriend. And then it stops on me at the end of the scene. I'm I forgot the, my mantra. I forgot my mantra on the phone. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But how do we and get into You delivered into it so Jeff Goldblum-like. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. How do we get into there? Wait a minute, Paul. So I'm, your mom's still around? Oh, so you're crazy after all these years. Yeah. That's right. You're Mom's my story? mom knew. My dad died in '83 at yeah. the age of 63. Oh my God! That's right. Big heart attack. Like many uh, males in our family, my mom's dad died in his 40s or 50s. Oh, I never boy. met him. Sam Tamelis, and then uh, uh, Joe Gold Goldblum Pavartsik. Goldblum died. Uh, you know, I was heart attack his, was a thing. Heart, big heart attack. Yeah, heart. So I'm taking care of that kind of thing. Uh, I remember. How's his, the cholesterol? You know, I, okay. I you know I, I do everything I can, and I think it's uh, good. You got it's, the genetic thing though, like a little high. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It needs to be. Yeah. I need to do everything I can to make sure I'm doing good. I was at his funeral, of course. I remember his funeral when Your I father's. was my grandfather's. Oh, Joe. Um, yeah, Joe. When I was uh, very young, eleven, twelve, you know, and my my grandmother, of whom I spoke, who thought Chucky was always gonna come back come back they said it was in a little you know wherever it was funeral home thing and somebody spoke my dad didn't speak it wasn't like yeah. gary shandling's right. hollywood big beautiful production it was a little little thing and there was a sc- screen and behind the screen was the casket huh. and then the, did we go back and see it and then I think they said, all right, Lillian, his wife can come back, back and see it. And she went around. My dad was sitting sort of next to me, maybe. And we hear from behind the screen a wail. My best friend. My best friend. You know, like that. Um, my dad looked sort of ashamed sort of ashamed but moved and disturbed and a little ashamed it was more of a scene i think than he wanted at that point and then we went on to the the grave site yeah and as the casket was being lowered down yeah lillian um started to wail again i think my best friend and started to try to climb into the hole Mm. and needed to be restrained so sad it was sad, shocking, alarming, and I think to my dad, also disturbing. It's, yeah, emotions. So he, he was not a yeller or an emotional guy? Or? My dad um, was not, n- no, he was not a, he was kind of a very authentic a real sort of guy with a big work ethic, um, lovely. We were we'd go to the Steelers games all the time. What kind of doctor? Internist, general internal medicine, general like practitioner. He made he had, the, had the he bag. Had, he had a bag. He'd go to people's houses. Right. Still made house calls. That yep. kind of things. Patients loved him. I think. Yeah. Um, my mom was kind of a bombastic, vivacious, uh, and had Your a mom. had a temper, yes, and would be dramatical and histrionic here. What'd and there. she do? Oh, she raised us four kids, and um, uh, and then took off after we left. Was a sex therapist, so the legend has it, and uh, for a time, and went back to college and they, had a they, they had separated? a radio show and or something like that. They you know. separated. 
no, no, no. They stayed together. And she was, uh, she wanted to be in show business early on. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. So she was a kind of a, an a you know, yeah. actressy type. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Show, Showy type. Funny? Um... Well, hard to know. Hard to know. Hard to know. <laughs> too complicated. Close. Too close. Too close. Complicated <laughs> and and uh, dark and uh, and uh, oh yeah and stars. To, yes, yeah. it's a, a, a very very the big weather. Lots of weather there. Uh-huh. Big weather patterns. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My so my dad was less was less like that as you didn't asked. have to be. Yes. Sometimes yes. that's the way it goes. Is like there's a, there's one that that sits <laughs> while the other one spins. Yigs that was more like like that. Although sometimes he'd blow. Oh yeah, he'd blow, yeah, 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 and you'd yeah. hear him blow. And when you know, you could see when he was, and then you know, he'd whip off his belt sometimes. He wouldn't, uh, you know, exactly oh, yeah. beat his, yeah. But the threat was always there. You the know, belt. Was that I mean, I can't imagine. We have an eleven-month-old. You know, the hysterical chaos with four kids. I don't know how how you do it, but you know, it's not that he beat us. I'm not saying that, but uh, anyway, he was wonderful. But uh, but. After Rick died, if I'm not being too personal, after Rick died, uh, now he was, you know, Rick was 23 and he was, you know, whatever, he's younger than me now. He was in his 50s or something like that. He would take to bursting into tears unexpectedly. Yeah. Bursting into tears. Uh, I also saw him burst into tears uh, when he saw me act on stage he burst into tears I, yes i i did a i did a play early on in yeah. my 20s at the phoenix theater where's uh, that city show in new york city yeah. it was a, it was, a it was a kind of you know he came up pedigreed yeah they came down to see that um pedigreed kind of new york off-broadway theater and it was a premiere of a stephen polyakoff play i had the lead part i was uh, on the radio i was played a disc jockey from uh Liverpool or something, and so I had a dialect, and uh, it was it was a showy part, and I worked hard on it. And afterwards, and this is already after he'd seen Nashville, the Robert Altman yeah. movie, and he said something like, "Your dad he said he was what? What were you doing in that movie? What was I? Don't didn't get your part, you know, et cetera, et cetera." So I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I was the guy in the bike." So, yeah, yeah, I was like, "Oh boy, you you don't get it, you know." Yeah, geez, yeah. I was you know right? mad in a lot of ways, and uh, and uh, but he came back after that show, burst into tears and threw his arms around me. Go. Oh. Can you imagine? You did it. Well, something like, I don't know. I hit a chord in him. He wanted to be an actor and all that stuff. He's hey, proud of you. That's what you Yeah, think. he was very proud of me. Yeah. Hey, do you like that play, Death of a Salesman? Yeah. I think, oh, geez, Arthur, I, I wish, well, I almost met Arthur Miller once, but that family, I love that play. And I uh, think that, that. The Dustin Hoffman, John Malkovich Ooh. one? Oh, my God. I loved I loved that. It was great. I've seen many. I've seen Lee J. Cobb oh. on stage, but he was the original. You saw him on stage? No, I didn't. But, the but there's a one can get it. You can get that, you know. Lee J. Cobb was such a oh, fucking my monumental God. kind he of sh- presence. He sure oh. was. I wish I'd see. Well, you could see him in that. Man. My dad saw him in King Lear. They used to go to New York to oh, see theater, sad. and they'd come back with An angry cast Jewish Lear. Yes. He went, and then he said, listen to this. He said he, wa- he met him on the street. He ran into him. He had a celebrity yeah, sighting. Dad did. My dad did. Went up to him and said, Mr. Cobb, I just wanted to tell you, I saw your King Lear the other day and and it was just wonderful. And he said, and when he told this story, and he told it many times, several times, he said, Lee J. Cobb, at that compliment, 
burst into a kind of smile that was full of joy, he thought. So he, he was remarking on, the point of the story was how much he loved doing it and how proud he was and how much he appreciated hearing this you know, yeah. uh, like that. And he's the one my dad said, you know, if you find something you really love to do, that's your vocational guidepost. And that's why I'm doing this. That's really when I figured out when I had like an experience or two, when I thought, hey, I'm, this is geez, I really love this. That's what I'll do. That's why I put two and two together. He's a very sensitive guy, despite himself, your father. He was a very sensitive guy. Yes, he had a of that era and of that generation, a kind of restraint and some difficulties and challenges. But he was, of course, very, he had an art art in him in, in, in a way and, and very, very sensitive. So, all right, right. So you decide your vocation is, you know, you're, yeah. you're there in Pittsburgh, you're playing basketball. You've got a, a brother that kind of opens your mind. You've you got a mother who's uh, yeah. kooky but compelling, yeah. you know, a, a dad who's reluctantly supportive. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were both finally, you know, uh, okay. I mean, he thought, you know, academics, you know, yeah. go to college and all that. But uh, I got into this school at 17, Neighborhood Playhouse, Sandy Meisner. He didn't know him, but. Uh, That's where he, you went, you auditioned for that? I. I, you didn't audition. You just met Sandy Meisner. And you went and met him. You, went, I, you took a trip. From, I took you a took trip. A train. My mom helped me. Well, she drove. She, what did we do? You're 17. No, we must have dro- flown. Yeah. Because we'd driven. We'd taken many road trips to uh, Miami Beach. We went to the Fountain Blue Hotel once. Sure. Mostly went to Atlantic City. Of course, you New Jerseyan. So you don't know if you drove or you flew, but you go to New York well, we and you're meeting with Sanford yeah, I met Sandy Meisner. Why did you find school? him? What, what drove you to that school? Well, and the interesting that you should ask, Mordecai Lawner. Oh, the guy uh, who you went guy, to the summer school. Summer school. I auditioned for Carnegie Mellon University. It was the only place Good acting I, school. A good acting school. It's the only, I fell in love with it, fell in love with yeah. acting. Every morning on the shower door, I would write, please, God, let me be an actor. And there was a secret, so I'd wipe it off. But I was obsessed with it, so I auditioned for that school, and I failed. I didn't get in. They rejected me. So I scrambled around, and Mordecai Lawner, um, uh, I did a probably horrible audition. In fact, I did a scene from Death of a Salesman. I did Biff, who's th- having a midlife crash at 35. I didn't understand. I couldn't have understood that at all. Yeah. I'm sure I was horrible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but Mordecai Lawner said, well, you might, 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 might want to check out this school where I taught. And Sandy Meisner, he's the best. Anyway, that's how I found myself recommended there. And I had a meeting with him, and he accepted me. What was that him. like? I mean, Sanford Meisner was part of the, was he part of the, the group theater was he part right yeah uh, with uh with, with uh, Clifford Odets and, and Stella Adler, and uh, Stella Louis Adler Strasberg, Louis Harold Plurman the, yes. a real purpose a populist theater mm-hmm. movement oh if you haven't read, read about that for yeah. years yeah that was a big part of that th- that yes that and I think Sandy Meisner uh came out of that and formed his this teaching method what was your impression of Meisner as a 17 year old what did oh he was an impressive wonderful uh a figure of serious substance and imbued uh, you with, you know, how worthwhile and serious and beautiful yeah. uh, this this life endeavor could be. Um, uh, it was something, and he was so deep and authentic and already kind of realized in a way. But you know what he was? What? He was also had his own uh, problems. I studied him over the years. I taught that technique for years, so I have my own convictions about many aspects of that. But listen to this, because I know a little bit about your our shared connection in this way. You know who was in my class in 1970? Um, Jonathan Katz. 
Because hey. we both did. Uh, I didn't know Katz. that about him. Yes. Now listen to this. Jonathan Katz was in that class. He could also be, uh, what I was going to say is Meisner could be fierce and kind of cruel. He was yeah. always frightening. You either had to get on the high wire and do this thing. It wasn't fooling around. It wasn't Hollywood acting yeah, yeah. class right. type stuff where you came in from surfing uh, and was like, hey, I'll, I'll toss this right. off. Right. You were either... You know, in it or not. That's correct. Yeah, uh, it was a serious endeavor. Jonathan Katz was in the class. After a couple of months, he said, "All right, uh, Katz, you know, you, you, let's see your your thing." Jonathan did this thing. We were he started his improvisation with yeah. this so-called um, independent activity. He was not doing really what the what one wanted, what Meisner wanted at that point. Obviously, he stopped it. I think he slammed his hand on the desk or something. He could be. He was quick triggered. Yeah. His even all his demeanor was a, always a kind of a lesson in uh, how hot and available one could be. You know, kind of thing. But um, so he said, "Stop right there." He said, "You've been uh, Jonathan Katz. You've been hi- hiding." For three months now, or something like that, yeah. and now you do what? Tell me what you're doing. What are you doing? Explain this activity. He says, "I'm trying to think of all the, remember all the dead people I've ever touched," which did not fulfill the assignment really for what we were getting at. You know, Meisner st- started to steam like Brando in One Eyed Jacks or something, and he said, "You listen to me. Uh, you've been hiding now for three months, and now you come up with this." Take your things, get out of here. You're huh. out. You're out. At that point, you could feel your blood chill. Everyone sitting there, as Jonathan pathetically uh, gathered up his things and walked to the door and, and got out. And that was the last we saw of him. And you can bet we all made a, we redoubled our efforts to you know do whatever we were doing. Well, what was the it exercise? was cruel, and it was I believe it was a little misguided. I mean, it, it it worked on us if that's what he intended. And Jonathan Katz, because I ran into him later. And then I did the show. I say, he said, you know, I quit after that. I never did anything for two decades or something. And then I'm doing that. You know, Mr. Meisner missed that he was an interesting and uh, resourceful and he had something to offer uh, that might have needed a little nurturing. I do believe currently. Well, I admit, but I don't think Meisner saw that as his job and it, and, and it infuriated him because I think that, you know, that standard that was set by Meisner and Strasburg uh, for acting classes where you, you defer to this girl. Uh, this emotional wizard uh, to to sort of reveal yourself and trust the environment that you know they can tell if you're fucking around and you're not willing to take the risks and for whatever reason that you can't it's not their goddamn responsibility I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I that's that's also correct. <laughs> you're both right. I'm the diplomat. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that if you access the emotions necessary, that doesn't in and of itself guarantee that you're going to be a good actor. No. And there's some other combination of things, but in order to get to that place to do the work, if you've got what it takes, yes. is sort of necessary within this structure. Yeah. And you believe in this structure. Yeah. Well, what is this? What is the Meisner? What is the method? Well, I've talked to some people about it, and like really? I joke about it that you know, you know, when I knew people that were just taking classes and not necessarily in the school, that I think it was when Meisner had already passed, it yeah. became available for for sort of uh, weekend warriors and whatnot yeah. to to just take a class but mm-hmm. not be immersed in the mm-hmm. in the method. Mm-hmm. That the Meisner method was the repetition thing. It's somehow it's sometimes misunderstood as only that. Uh, well, it gets hacked uh, like that. That's my experience of it. Is that's like right. green. 
Green, 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 green. Yeah, but that's that's not it. I think it's it's misunderstood as that. It's uh, here's in a nutshell. I can't possibly give it any justice, but let me see if I can be clear in a second, in a very pithy second. Um, first of all, acting. Uh, I think he's well. It's uh, it's instinctive. He called it living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Okay, uh, like Harold Clerman's book, Lies Like Truth. It really only means just pretend, but pretend good. Yeah, that's really what you're doing. So how do you how do you do that? He had a foundational program that lasted a couple of years. The first part of which uh, was set up so that his signature. Um, uh, uh, distinguishing feature that he really contributed this improvisation um, uh, came came at the beginning uh, and so how I was, so it was the beginning of this l- pretending good business living truthfully under imaginary circumstances whereby I like that yeah whereby you you, you had to start to the, the improvisation became a, a f- finally a, a, an improvised exercise where you're you're under imaginary circumstances and you have a, a an authentic living experience where you're present and open and you live out these this this made up situation uh this business of working off the other person and your connection with the other person that is part of this and part of this technology of this Mm -hmm. um is like skating is to hockey Mm -hmm. you can't play the hockey game until you know how to skate so until you know how to go moment to moment so to speak where you can be where you really train yourself um to be um attentive available and to to the other guy mostly but everything that's going on around you that's you're the not tricky just part. In, that's well that's what you're training there's a there's a technology for that and he kind of developed this this thing that begins with this rep repetition so um so that's the first part of it this communication yeah under imaginary circumstances the second part that's the incoming yeah where you listen you can listen so attentively that you can repeat exactly what the other guy said as a matter of fact you can communicate to him what you got besides what he said yeah here's the way you said it yeah and all the nuances thereof right and then before you go on you're part of the tennis uh when the ball is on your your side of the court you say here's how you put the ball to me here's what i just got from you and uh and here's how I send it back, because this is how I feel yeah. about, I'm going to now communicate to you in word or deed, uh-huh. how I feel about what you've just said or how you've just said it, Right. In which demands that you open yourself up. So it causes you to be at once present and train yourself to be present and um, open and connect to your unique ch- channel of communicativeness yeah yeah yeah. so that's pretty good that's a pretty good start you're listening and you're answering and that starts to solve the problem of when you got a script hey let's pretend that i've never heard this before and uh, i'm going to take it in and i'm going to let your pinch produce an ouch in me that now generates what i have to do back to you that's kind of how life goes. And so it sort of simulates that under the imaginary right. circumstances. So it's very good in our world. It teaches you how to improvise, which is very useful in all kind of jobs that you may sure. get. Uh, but it also gives you technology uh, that, that supplies the underpinnings of a Wes Anderson script or Shakespeare or Chekhov or David Mamet, where you got to say the words, but uh, have an alive experience and play the game of acting, which is this is like real life. I'm going to listen to you 
uh, and be available to you, and uh, even if nothing different happens, okay, well, and give it back to you, pinching right. and ouching, yeah. and then play the whole game and make make a make a pretend uh, a scene out of it. Well, you, get, act, you get the idea? I do, and, I, and it makes sense to me, and, and I appreciate all of that. And and I, you know, I, and I've always felt that those things were important to be emotionally present and open and listening and engaged with the other person. Now, I'm no trained actor, but I've done some acting lately, and I've gotten better at it. And it, the trick is, is that you can do all those things, but eventually you have to be comfortable. <laughs> yes. So, like you know, being present, well, yeah. you know, is good. But you know, to or to, to to appreciate the space that you're in, and then you know, because like the thing that always drops off for me when you tell me that is like, all right, you're pretending, but okay, so you're in a house and it's 1920, yes. and you know, how much do you take in? How do you register? What technology do you use? You know, outside of being present for the the pinching and ouching yes. to place yourself in an environment, yes. or say where when you're on a film. To, to return back after a three-day uh, uh, whatever uh, a scene on an airplane to the emotions that are necessary uh, to, to play the rest of the scene before you get on the airplane. Like, how what are the tools that you use for, for being in the actual environment that you're pretending to be in, other than the emotional connection and the pinching and ouching, yes. and also returning back to the emotional state necessary to, to pick up where you left off in film or television work? Well, there are, there, you're talking about many uh, different things. First of all, the second year so-called of the Meisner technique that first the, the improvisation and some um, improvisatory ways of handling early scene work is part of the first year the second work is basically in my view kind of what Stella Adler was doing which is understand the material now let's understand the play and do the play do the show and make it interesting and make mm -hmm. it good um, which involves um, you know um you know, yeah. fully realizing the situation. This is the yeah. desert. Yeah. Where, if this is 1920, really, under you know, she would talk about, you know, understanding the, the music that you might be listening to then, you know, really, all of that. Doing whatever you have to do. To, right, right, yeah, right. If to, you're to in another least, time. But I guess only you know whether in. you really did that or not. And sometimes it doesn't matter if you're pretending well enough. Yeah, there's no formula right. to it. You know, yeah, 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 there's yeah. no formula to it. And the other piece of the the other thing you referred to this uh, requires what some people uh, call emotional preparation, mm -hmm. where if you're, you know, where you're going to pick up from a scene where you just found out some horrible news or some wonderful news and you just got to start right there. Yeah. You, you have to possibly generate in yourself. You right. Know, Take the pick, second. Pick it up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, one, it's a very individual thing. Yeah. And after experience experimenting for several decades uh, with that, one can overemphasize preparation and, and uh, the, you right. know, trying to generate things. The more I do it, I'm still conscientious and prepare in many ways, but but you can, the given circumstances, like Stanislavski said, yeah. are kind of all you need at least for me at this point i don't like to go astray too much and bring music in with me and read a book yeah and go astray and try to and spend all morning trying to get myself in a condition <laughs> yeah, yeah i i'm more self-trustful at this point right that can be overemphasized as that improvisation can be uh um overemphasized um uh whereby some first year meisner students can go that's it this feels so good this is all i want to do yeah and they'll never figure out how to learn lines and make right. them sound like improvisation sure. or do the show good and understand the author's and, intent right a lot of it let's be honest is is either you got it or you don't 
Well, there's that too. And it, yeah, yeah. And it means, yeah, you might have, you either have a flair for it or not. Yeah. And part of that flair is do you have an appetite? Do you really want to do it? Right. Are you crazy about doing it? And that's, yeah. that's part of it. So it, it seems to me, uh, yeah. in looking at, uh, you know, the, the, the bulk of work, which is a lot, you've mm-hmm. done a lot of work. Yeah. But well, you certainly luckily. paid your fucking dues. In terms of like, you're in New York, you're doing Meisner, you, you get the play, you get the Nashville movie, you obviously got an agent, but you're doing whatever you can to get on camera. Yeah, yeah. I did. Well, it kind of happened luckily. I mean, it, I, I got the first thing and the second thing and one thing led to another. But I, like it, Death Wish was small. It was very small, but it was the first audition I ever went on, uh-huh. and that led to something else, and that led to something else, and I, I was lucky because I didn't know what I was doing. It takes Meisner says it takes twenty years to be <laughs> of real work to even call yourself an actor, and then a lifelong experience. I'm a late bloomer, and I'm a humble student, and I kind of follow that credo, and I'm still learning. And I got lucky that I got chances to learn on the job, and lucky that it was just little. Yeah, I I didn't know what I was doing, and it wasn't. I'm still learning now. I'll tell you, on the set last year, I found out a lot of things that have transformed my work. Yep, like what? Well, this business about overemphasizing preparation. I was still a little addicted to a year ago, uh, overemphasizing for myself, working too hard on getting myself into a condition and uh, or distract myself or or free myself Mm. so that when I had the the moment of the scene, I was a little surprised or a little bit fresh or a little bit something that I thought or a little bit alive, more alive than I thought I should be. And I would drink a little bit of coffee coffee too which is not the worst thing in the world but i've given that all up in the last year no coffee this is me no coffee uh and i don't drink it now and i was not not drinking too much of it but it's like i even the smallest kind of extra stimulation or performance enhancement yeah i kind of don't want to do now okay uh it's just better for me i kind of trust more than ever my own bones yeah. and blood and somehow and the scene and, you just and my ability that. to solve the scene uh, at in the moment i still prepare from the day i get the part and sure. try to figure out what to do to make it good on the day yeah but when i get there yeah i don't want any books in my pocket or other right. you know conversation that i'm going to try to you know free myself or unnecessary you know right. et cetera, et cetera. yeah what do you think of that I, well, I think it's great. I think it seems that maybe Meisner was right. It takes at least 20 years. Maybe uh, not for more. me, I, I, you know, if he set me up like that, I, I, I dig it. I'm glad. Hey, if I'd figured all this out in the first couple of years, I'd be bored. I think I'd be bored or doing something else. Now. <laughs> I'm still excited because <laughs> yeah. I, I want another opportunity now to try out my new, better self. Yeah. That comfort in your own skin, you, you know, is, is beautiful for you as an artist. But also you always had your own time zone. That you're you're one of those guys that you know you you know just by your nature uh, you know you have a way of phrasing you have a way of being you have a way of taking information and even when you walked into my house you know you took things in and I'm like he's being so Jeff Goldblum uh, you know like uh, that it's uh, it's purely you and I think as an artist of any kind yeah. you want to arrive there you want to be comfortable enough to go you know I I, I know who I am yeah well Meisner said don't copy anybody just yeah. figure out who, how you can do it uniquely he said that so i think i took that to heart i've tried to pursue that and yeah i just got i i think i was lucky somehow and again got a and got from i got a toehold in mm-hmm. something that was nourishing mm-hmm. and kind of followed it that's the other thing you hear a lot about choices making choices mm. it seems like that meisner was not too hung up on that well 
Uh, that's right. I think his, uh, like I say, distinguishing uh, contribution was that first year that sort of opens you up. There's a very good method right, of, right. of really and then you do what you're gonna getting do. him. And then he it kind of, uh, his second year, he's, it's, it's less distinctive, I think. It's yeah. more like what everybody else is trying to do, make it good. Yeah. Still Adler, make right. good uh, choices right. and figure right. out how to do it, make it interesting. And so, you know, he would kind of like, hey, you figure it out. You know, do it and do it a lot and you'll figure out how to make it good. Um, I, I, I like the other part. If you try to get through, you know, a, a, a play, really your whole adult career without doing that second part, it's like, as somebody said, trying to cross the uh, Atlantic Ocean with a uh, with a mix master strapped to your sure. patoot, you know. It's well, just, I, but it's, I think uh, that second part is also, uh, it's on the actor to integrate how they're going to bolster their personal craft. That, you know, like a, a, a system is only going to be a system to a certain degree, whereas like what you're basically saying to me is as you move through it and do as much work as you have, you're going to, you know, figure out your own means to get to these things. And also, like for me, the idea of making a choice, you know, once you get the emotions in place, and even in the small amount of acting I've done, that you want to stay, keep the emotions in place, but you might want to do a different line read. You might want to take a different action. You might want to surprise yourself in that moment to to to, to get the comedy out of it or the emotions out of it. And, and those are conscious things. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so, but I, I imagine that everyone, like the fly was the big movie. That's you're carrying the movie. You're the lead. You're the guy. You're the fly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're working with Cronenberg and it's yes. insane. Yeah. And the makeup is insane. Yeah. And your performance is intense. Yeah. There's like the... The, the moment where where you're defending your decision like there's a moment there where you're you're, you're angry because you know you feel so good that you can't oh, how can this yeah. be wrong? that it was that's so right. drug addict you know like, says, what's the matter with you i say you're jealous that's what you are you're, you're jealous don't put me don't clip my wings you're jealous. i'm free i'm yeah, free yeah, something yeah, like that yeah. or whatever i say uh, so, yeah, yeah i good. know they had high <laughs> high moments that could have been good and i tried to make them good they were great it's yeah a great thanks movie. cronenberg it was is is uh you know he's a good he's good uh, he's got balls Yes, yes. Visionary. Visionary, yeah, individual, yeah. unique. Yeah, he goes takes chances. Way, yep. Yeah. And then we were on the jury together at Cannes mm -hmm. some years after that, seeing a bunch of interesting movies. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Cannes, is that fun? Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. You know, seeing, I took the assignment seriously. We saw 22 movies in a couple of weeks and talking with interesting people. In Jurassic Park, you were great. Cause I like. I was very excited about what you did with that character for some yeah. reason. Yeah, because yeah, like I, I was very aware of the leather jacket. I don't know whose choices yeah. those were, but I liked it. Thank you. What, were you pointing at yourself? Or? I was, but then I <laughs> thought, thought better, better of it. <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Spielberg, it was all, all his design, but he was actually yeah. very trustful and uh -huh. very co collaborative. Uh -huh. And so I remember when I went in for the costume, saw the costumier, you know, uh, I had my own ideas and already done a bunch of shopping and said, how about this and this? And I think they took everything I uh, No, I, I thought I it was got. good. It was and good. I you had often, a, you sort of had a, a, almost an Elvis element, uh, like, a, yeah. like a rock star element to it. Yeah. And a yeah. rebel thing, right? Well, I knew it was a potentially, you know, what could be described as a, you know, science-y kind of mm -hmm. geeky guy, but I wanted to make it as yeah. cool as I Sex could. it up. Sex it up. Handsome I like man. Scientists are... are are cool you yeah know? sure neil degrasse tyson and yes you know they're important and cool the, the the real future rests in their their hands i, I love them 
also like you you also did like a lot of the 70s television stuff and things yeah. that, that was fun right yeah it was when did yeah. you move out here i officially? moved out and so i so i graduated high school in the 70s i went to new york did that and then, yeah. then did start new plays and in in 70 74 i was in new york and then in 74 came out here after nashville some agent saw me said oh we'll come out here we'll show you around and then i never left so it's good times here. then yeah, well, I wish I'd kind of just like me, you know, as you know, on a movie location, I don't really unwrap the whole city. Yeah. Uh, but besides my assignment, similarly in New York, can you imagine in New York in seventy five? Yeah, yeah. I could have, I could have gone places that I didn't. Yeah. And in L.A. in seventy five to a, you know, I could have gone places I didn't. I had my, you know, feel of the tail of the elephant or the trunk or where whatever piece I was feeling. But that's yeah. about all. It was kind of, it was, it was interesting. But yeah, but like my, I become sort of fascinated with um, like I talked to Begley of all people, uh, who was, was f- phenomenal. I enjoyed talking to him. But I'm I'm sort of fascinated with this town at that time. Like he was around longer. He know, but, yeah, that's when we met. He and I've been you know yeah in the yeah. mid '70s yeah. where you know he was, was plenty you know different. No, and, absolutely. Oh, yeah, he was drinking up a storm. Yeah. Sure. No, he 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 definitely talks about it. But sure. like also like like there was something about because when I see you in Altman movies and I see like a you know, uh, Columbo on your credit sheet, you know, that, that I feel like I'm fascinated at the time when the business was smaller, the community was smaller, you know, people were out and around. There wasn't this uh, uh, fear of, uh, of, of paparazzi everywhere that you could go out for dinner and you'd see, you know, Nicholson, you go to Dan Tanis, you go, you know, to the rock club that there was a real sort of uh, a community to it that I romanticized, but it was real, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Like I say, I mean, I had my, you know, little corner of it that I experienced, and it was de- delightful, you know, running into Ed being in his circle and Cindy Williams, you yeah. know, at the time, and Fred Roos and uh, and Bruno Kirby, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, with whom I became pa- very palsy, you know. What mm-hmm. a delightful, wonderful guy he was. Yeah. So it was very, very... It's special. It was a special time. We studied with Peggy Fury, if you knew her, and this acting teacher back then. I don't know her. Wonderful. Oh, she was just great. Is Bruno she still around? Turned me on. No, no, she's not. So now that you've, well, you've been married, what, three times? Yes, I have. One first kid. This is the first kid right yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 11 months old. You're 10 years older than me or so. 63. Yeah, you're 52. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 63. I'm October. Great. October 22nd. I'm September 27th. Ooh. Libra. You're a Libra. Yeah. But, well, you brought it up. You hold you. you, you it, it's there's you. There's no credence in astrology. No, I know that. Okay. Do, do, do all, everyone within the sound of our voice do they do they know that too? Well, we can tell them. But I, I just I'm trying to figure out like I'm looking for all the similarities. Judd Hirsch played Judd my Hirsch. father as well on what? my TV show. Yeah. On what show? On Marin on IFC. Really. He's delightful. I just saw him last night. Yeah. He's a model of youthfulness and longevity. Yeah. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it's he's very interesting because he can work with all degrees of Jewishness. <laughs> like, uh, like, like what do you can turn it up to 11 yeah. or be hardly hardly Jewish exactly yeah 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 we had well, to did we had to turn down the jew a little um, uh, uh, that was actually a note Can that's we, the name of my book yeah yeah, yeah. the turn down the jew a little. how Crazy, jewish were you brought up well like uh you know the cohen brothers you know a uh, serious man 1967 i love that movie you know it's barely we went to this we were the only jews in this um 
uh, in West Homestead, where my dad was the doctor to these steel workers' kids, yeah, really, right. families. And that's who I went to school with. There was right. one little orthodox. <laughs> so they sent us there, not really having any interest in it. And we yeah. went to Hebrew school and misbehaved there. Right. Kind of was our chance to misbehave. Sure, and that's then what I had it's a for. So to, to make speak, teachers which, cry. That's yeah. what you do at Hebrew school. Or, or, Try to make what? teachers cry. You, you made your, your Hebrew teachers? Two of them, yeah. Really? Horrible. Why? What did you do that made them cry? Just a smart ass. <laughs> I know it's one of the places I felt freer, yeah. and I felt kind of humorous too. Sure. This old Jewish business made me feel a little bit funny. And uh, but then I had this bar mitzvah that was a little performancey, sure. and that was kind of fun. But then we never did anything after that, right? Uh, and then I developed this sort of yogic kind of interest in the miraculous and all that. Really? Yeah. Do you have that still? Uh, well, a little, a vestige of it. Um, but it's balanced now with a kind of interest in science. If I'm going to expose Charlie to anything, it'll be to uh, Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And, uh, you know, you know, with the real configuration of the universe. Yes, I love poetry and I love the creative life, which is the unseen and the imaginative and, and uh, the spirits around us, of yeah. course, and all that. But... Uh, but read Carl Sagan's last book, The Demon Haunted World, that not only uh, says it's foolish to believe in fun, untrue things, but dangerous. Uh, so I, I have been reading Sam Harris and uh, uh, Daniel Dennett and uh, Christopher Hitchens and a lot of people like that. Um, because you are too much of a romantic? Uh, I'm not. I, I love my ro ro romance. Um, but I, but I'm full of some half cocked ideas. Oh, and you and wanted clarity. I, yes, sir. I believe so, and uh, it feels like it's right for our moment. And also, it seems no. like it's informing, like you know, whatever experience you had about yourself on the set of Independence Day. That you know, the more clarity you get around what's real and what isn't, and whether or not you're full of shit or not, uh, can only help you be more true to yourself. Well, that sounds right, right to me, or whatever you're talking about, either the circumstances within the movie or me as the actor. No, by just saying in general, as a person, yeah. that if you're calling yourself out on your you know, bullshit. Uh, yeah. Well, there's that, yes. Yeah. And then some of these baloney ideas, which are uh, a little airy-fairy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, are fine if they feed your gizzard, you know. Yeah. Um, but not fine like, for making you know global uh, decisions necessarily. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want to elect our uh, officials yeah. uh, if they're involved in any way. Based on their yogic practice? Exactly. Or astrology. <laughs> or, uh, you know. Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. God damn them. The ignoramuses, you yeah. know, who find themselves in these positions. Yes. Who hear from this source and that source. Can you imagine? You can it's, pick whatever source you want. There's thousands of them now. Out, outrageous. Of you know, learn the facts, uh, uh, my dear you gotta, fellow. And you got to search for those sometimes. Uh, yeah, yes. Take, it takes a little effort. Put a little effort into it. Find the facts. Find the facts. Find the facts. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you know what you're talking about. Not as sexy as the bullshit sometimes. Sexier. Finally, if you put in the effort, yeah. it's much sexier. Neil deGrasse Tyson will tell you, you know, if you're the real configuration of the universe and the stardust from which we're made, uh, you know, commonly is plenty poetical. Well, okay. Well, let's, let's talk about real things. Do you, do you, do you save the world again? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it's a, it's a spoiler alert uh sure it's we 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 snatch victory from the jaws of uh, uh imminent defeat uh -huh. so it's touch and go 
but uh, it comes down to the last uh, buzzer. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know. Really, we, I was we, hoping for the the dark ending where well, where yeah. I like those dark endings myself. Did yeah. you see Melancholia? Uh-uh. Uh, another ooh, Lars Van Trier. Oh no. Well, that's Charlotte Gansbourg is in this movie, and she's my cohort in a several scenes. She was wonderful. You know who she is? Yeah, Charlotte Serge's Gansburg. daughter. Yes, yeah, Serge's daughter, and she's in those Lars Van Trier movies, Melancholia. I saw what was the one I saw? Nymphomaniac and Antichrist. I don't. I like uh, those are still on the list. I saw the one about the family, which was like uh, yeah, celebration. Oh you're probably God. talking about. Oh yeah, good stuff. He's he's really interesting. The idiots, uh, yeah. you know, breaking the waves. Breaking he's, the waves. Yeah. He's really good. But those three movies, and she's wonderful in them. I she gotta watch them. I've music. made like I want. I've made a point. To, like I gotta watch these, but I haven't done it. Yet. Oh, yeah. Well, Melancholia is an end of the world movie, but the world ends. I hope I'm not spoiling anything. And it's Kirsten Dunst's characters who's who kind of accepts it. Who's really smart and finally prescient about our place in the whole universe uh, and she says you know we're just evil we're just kind of an evil planet nobody's going to miss us in fact and then the world ends something like that well look it was great talking to you i guess we got to wrap it up uh, you're you're just uh a wonderful, fun. wonderful individual it was fun it was I, so I, I, fun. I i was very excited i knew we'd get along how big is your head i'd is say, that a lar- extra I'd large? say seven and a quarter oh yeah this hat was made for me. I just have a couple of hats, but yeah. I like this. Why? You want to try this on? No, no, I'm not a hat guy, but I you have know? a hat that a guy sent me. Oh. That one's there, but that one fits me. Oh. But, it, but I don't think you could wear the hat that was sent me. I shouldn't take anything more into my home. I like to, I'm a de-accumulator, and so I'm, I'm trying very to do careful. That. Yeah. But I sort of de-accumulate into this space. Oh, I see. I see. Well, this is a beautiful artifact. This is a this is an installation. Yeah, this it isn't is. a hoarding, a hoarder's. Right. Uh, well, I got to keep it dusted. Like that was the weird thing is that yeah. like I like I realized that like everything's here, but like I wasn't really dusting, so it started to have have a sad museum vibe. You know, like <laughs> like a roadside museum yeah, where, where they don't dust and there's cobwebs. Yeah, and I'm like, I know. I don't want people walking in going like it's a little grimy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like, well, you got to get your 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 lady Lupe? To, Lupe to do all all her dusting in here. Hey, I, I just read that article about Louis C.K. in mm-hmm. New York Magazine. Did you read that? No. Very, I thought that was a very inspirational and interesting article. Oh, yeah? Right now in, in New York Magazine. Brand yeah. new. Yeah, and I know you did that uh, the number one. I got, but I haven't heard it. I got The a, first interview was years ago. Then I just did one I got uh, they, that's still up there where we only talked about the creation of Horace and Pete. The got other it. one you got to... I'd have to send it to you, the two-parter. I'd love to. I want to. I'm so interested in it. Well, I have, do I have your contact? I think I do. Lake I'll Bell. I'll give you everything. Okay. Lake Bell. She's the one that said made me of come course. after you. I'm only remembering now. I didn't yeah. remember that. Of course. Yeah. I love her. She's like, got to talk to Jeff. And then I texted you, and we, we kind of went back and forth. Now and it's all coming back to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. My uncle Ben, he went to Alaska. My brother Ben went to Alaska. That's yeah. the death of a salesman. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. He went to Alaska. <laughs> I should have followed him up there. Why didn't I follow him up there? Oh, oh, for, well, you would have froze up there. Oh, yeah. What do you know? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We ought to do that play. Or the two gents. Two gents is what we should do? Yeah, this is singing though, right? That's all singing. Well, you're, you're a good singer. I could do it. Sure you could. Yeah. Uh, where's North? I have to the compass. Yeah. That'd be funny. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Oh, what, that was fun, man. He's exactly how you want him to be and exactly who he is. And happy birthday to his kid today. And, uh, you know, obviously you can see uh, Independence Day Resurgence. It's now in theaters. WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get some posters, there's cups and things, and all my tour dates are there. The episodes are there. You can get Howl 
the uh, app there, Howl.fm, for all the archives. You know, do the thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little nauseous. Am I playing guitar today? What do we got going? What do we have going? This is a, a, a Les Paul custom straight into a old Fender champ with a little bit of reverb.